0: Thank you, Dick, for uh, sharing with us from uh, the Gospel this morning and also from the New Testament epistle of James. Uh, We give thanks for God's Word. Let's uh, join our hearts together in prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to draw apart from our busy schedules uh, to find uh, the the space, uh, the margins we need in our own lives, Lord God, just to uh, worship you. And we know that Fundamental to our worship, of course, uh, is encountering and uh, hearing your word in fresh new ways. So I uh, thank you, Lord, as the pastor of your people, uh, to be able to uh, unpack and to deliver and share the message that you have laid upon my heart for them. So I pray that as they encounter your word, that it would be uh, like a, a fountain and a well of everlasting and living water springing up for them that I, along with they, would be changed as we hear your voice. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. And uh, as uh, Dick uh, shared in his uh, preface to the scriptures, we are beginning a new sermon uh, series, and so I want to uh, thank, take a moment just to thank all of our uh, listeners who uh, tune in by podcast to take advantage of uh, the many messages that we share here from Shandon Congregational Church. So a new uh, sermon series uh, about a lot of things that we're going to uh, come across over uh, throughout the month of uh, April. Uh, faith, yes, certainly. Uh, that's that's going to be a part of it as we uh, come to uh, the incident of the conversation that Jesus has with the Roman centurion and prayer and the many obstacles of life that come our way, all of our ways, and of the importance of not giving up, as Emma had shared with us during the children's moment this morning, uh, not to give up, that is so very important. So we are finding people, however, my friends all around us today in the 21st century, 2018, that are giving up for whatever reasons, and there can uh, be many, And we take heart from Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, which says, Let us not grow weary in our well-doing, for in due time we will reap a harvest, uh, uh, quoting St. Paul, as he says, if we do not give up. And so there is the encouragement for us. Uh, Emma nailed it. Uh, She got it, she understands the importance of not giving up and, of course, being faithful even in the midst of those obstacles uh, that might be before us. Now, the foundational text all throughout our series uh, will be these incredible words from Jesus that we find in Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, where Jesus says, "'Have faith in God.' Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, "'Go throw yourself into the sea,' and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. So you need to counterbalance those words of Jesus with what Dick shared with us from the epistle of James that of course our disposition when we pray ought always to be one of expectancy and of believing in God, that God can do the impossible and come through for us as long as we have faith in our hearts. Reflecting on these uh, verses, this teaching of Jesus from Mark's Gospel chapter 11, Pastor Mark Batterson, pastor of National Community Church in Washington, D.C., who wrote the book Draw the Circle, explains that there comes a time, you know, when we must stop allowing our mountains to either run or ruin, add an I to run, ruin our lives, and we must use our faith in Jesus to speak to our mountains, to be in command of the daunting mountains, the obstacles and difficulties that we face. Now, usually it's the other way around the mountains because they're so daunting. We feel like, well, it's too overwhelming and they can run us down or ruin our lives. And yet the perspective that I want to hold out before you, the promise of God is for us to be mountain movers. So today... Uh, we're going to reflect together on why we should bother to move the mountains in our lives in the first place. Now, I'm not talking about hills. Uh, We have a very nice hill in the Voice of America uh, park that is close to our home, and as uh, uh, fall begins to leave and winter is on its way, they set up the uh, hay bales and the the little boundary lines down this hill and it becomes a little uh, sledding hill uh, for the kids. I'm not talking about that kind of small hills. You see, hills are, they're usually something that you can handle on your own, on your own volition, with your own strength and wherewithal. But mountains, that's a different story, yes? They're so big and large and intimidating and generally speaking, would you not agree with me, they don't budge. Not at all. Now, uh, my mother is Swiss. She's from Zurich, Switzerland. So um, I've climbed many a mountain there uh, in Switzerland. And I've experienced and I've learned a thing or two uh, about uh, going up the mountains. Uh, uh, I can remember one year I, I climbed a, I suppose it was a rather smaller sized mountain. It was a mountain nonetheless, but it wasn't one of the the Alps. That takes a different kind of uh, preparation altogether. But it was large enough to be called a mountain in the Sud Tyrol, in the what they call the Southern Tyrolean uh, area. And the two things that I learned in climbing that mountain is, uh, you've got to be prepared because climbing a mountain is a is an arduous activity, and you also need to be committed. So while it's possible to climb a mountain, yes, we can do that. Like I shared with the children, you can put on your hiking boots or you can tunnel through a mountain. I've been in trains as a young man that have gone through some of these mountains, uh, right through the bottom of them. Uh, and they are expert uh, tunnel engineers uh, in Switzerland, go right through the bottom, the heart of that mountain. Or you can go around the mountain, but moving a mountain, That's rather an impossible task. And so Jesus says, I want you to take that which seems impossible and through me... It, I'm going to make it to be possible. And so, my friends, we don't need God necessarily for the hill. I mean, we need God in all places and spheres and interactions within our lives. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, we are certainly in a place of dependency when we face those impossible obstacles and we know that we've got to rely and call out upon God to be able to move them. So, uh, before we unpack all of that, I want us to turn to our setting in today's gospel, John chapter four, which is uh, Jesus's conversation with a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. And Jacob's well is well established archaeologically we, uh, and biblically. We we find this in Genesis chapter 33. And wells, as we look at them within biblical times, they are places of rest, and so a person can come to a well. Uh, to have some rest, and wells are also places where uh, women gather to meet and to connect with one another. Uh, Nowadays, it's uh, when they engage in retail therapy and happen to see one another as they're shopping, that can be a place of connectivity uh, for women, but in biblical times, it was often at the well. Now, men conducted their business outside the city at the city gate, so that's where Uh, They were talking and busying themselves, and women it was oftentimes uh, at the well. And so Jesus comes to this well, takes some rest, and he's seated there, and he begins to have this unusual conversation with this Samaritan woman, and we see, uh, because the men usually accomplish their conversations, as I said, at the city gate, Jesus chooses the well where a guy doesn't necessarily belong. But I want to share with you this morning, my friends, that we have an unusual Savior We have a savior that doesn't necessarily follow all the rules and he saw the need that was extant within this woman's life and so stepping outside of the box he says I'm going to the well. That's where I'm going to take my seat. Our unusual Jesus who finds friends amongst tax collectors and prostitutes and harlots and so those are the the places that people ordinarily don't go so aren't you glad that you've got a Savior that goes into those places that ordinarily people through custom or convention don't go? Yes. Wells are also places of life. And so our biblical setting, of course, is in a very Uh, arid geographical area. It only rains. They have a rainy season in Israel, usually kind of through January and, and February, and they have to rely upon those rains as they do often in Africa, that rainy season, to fill their wells and cisterns, and that has to sustain and keep them all throughout the year. So wells are places of dependency, you've got to have a well, you've got to be able to draw from that water in order to survive. And part of Jesus' strategy in teaching the Samaritan woman is to shift her dependency from the well to him from the waters which will only last for a short period of time and a short duration to Jesus who is the well of everlasting life. And so Jesus meets this woman that has come to the well. We don't know her name, but we certainly know what her issue is. We all have issues, don't we? Yeah. Uh, We think that we have issues today. People had issues in biblical times. Also, And her issue was not hill size in proportion. Okay? It wasn't something that she was able to uh, solve all by herself. And so Jesus intentionally seeks her out to deal with her mountain-sized difficulty, her problem. And while she may have been committed to trying to overcome her mountain-sized problem... Uh, in the past, we do have some evidence to say that at some point along the way, the mountain was too big and she just kind of gave up the fight and settled into a life of making concessions because oftentimes we, don't, we do that, don't we? We look at the mountain and we say, I can't deal with that. And so we begin to compromise and, and to uh, make concessions. Well, I'm not going to get this from God. So I'll just trade down. And we make concessions to keep the peace, you know, to better secure ourselves and not rock the boat. And we we find we make those trade-offs repeatedly. And when a person makes repeated concessions of trading down, what happens to our hopes and our dreams and our, our aspirations? We actually begin to sell off parts of our soul to all those small, little, subtle compromises that we make through the years. And this is the picture of the Samaritan woman. Sure, of course she had a life, but it was an unfulfilling status quo life. But friends, I'm here today to share with you that we do not have a status quo God, not at all. Her mountain-sized problem was this she had given up on marriage. Hmm. Now, I don't mean that she was never married. She was married, the text tells us she was married five times. Well, how did she give up? Well, we're not entirely sure. She had these five marriages, and each marriage was, for whatever reasons, unfulfilling, it didn't work out, and each marriage chipped a little more of her life away from her Now, I'm not saying that she was perfect. She was probably equally to blame as to why she had these five marriages and not one of them seemingly could come together. And so she traded down to the point where she said, I'm giving up on marriage. I'm just going to live together with this gentleman. And so, and so even you know when we think about contemporary examples of this, um, uh, I was thinking about uh, Liz Taylor, right? Uh, the the great and beautiful actress uh, Liz Taylor, and when I uh, looked at a biography of her life, she had been married eight times eight times. Now, now two of those, on two uh, successive intervals, she was married to Richard, uh, excuse me, yes, to Richard Burton on two successive uh, occasions, but eight times. So, even though she was married eight times, I I guess you could say uh, Liz Taylor never gave up on marriage, even though she had so many marriages, but the Samaritan woman reaches a point after five, she says, "Uh uh-uh, that's enough, no more, yeah? And so living together, whether that's in the first century or the 21st century, it's not biblical. And if we live lifestyles that are against God's word, we can never fully experience God's will for our lives. And by the way, the survival rate... For those couples that cohabitate prior to getting married, researchers tell us is only 50% survival rate after that couple chooses to get married. Yes? So I would like us this morning to take a look at her five marriages, yes? uh, She'd been down the aisle five times, and for whatever reasons, she gave up on marriage. And assuming uh, for the math, let's say that two of her husbands had died. It wasn't unusual uh, in the Middle East, it's still not unusual today, for older men to marry younger women, sometimes of teenage uh, age, and so it's quite possible that she outlived at least a couple uh, of her husbands. So that leaves us with three. What happened with the three? Either she, these uh, three remaining, let's say two died. Well, let's say that we have three divorces uh, uh, the husband divorced her, or she divorced them. Now, Men, they may divorce, according to uh, biblical law, a man may divorce his wife for sexual immorality. In other words, adultery. He catches her playing around, fooling around, whatever the case might be. Those have become grounds for divorce. Now, for women, they could procure and secure a bill or a writ of divorce against their husband if the husband was negligent in providing for his wife home, house, and even intimate intimate expressions within their marriage, if that wasn't provided for, that could become grounds or justification for a divorce. But now, the, uh, the mountain-sized problem before this woman was that she was having serial relationships. And a telltale sign... That you've got a mountain-sized problem in your life is that you have a habit or pattern that keeps repeating itself over and over and over again in your life, and you just can't seem to get free from it. And that was exactly this woman's issue here in John chapter 4. So psychologically serialized behavior is symptomatic of unresolved or deeper lying problems or issues within a person's life. And so Jesus steps in and he says, everyone who drinks this water from Jacob's well in a repeatable fashion, well, you're just going to end up being thirsty all the time. But you drink even just once from the water that I will provide. It will give you that satisfaction that will last your whole life long, even throughout all eternity. So Jesus was there to resolve her mountain-sized issue. He was there to throw it into the sea. Why? because her pattern showed no sign of letting up. It's like the saying, you can't change someone who doesn't see an issue with their actions. And he was there to say to her, you've got an issue here. And to confront, to honestly confront her with that, yes. In fact, when Jesus confronts her about her pattern of serial relationships, she does it. She quickly changes the subject to be not about her and my my serial relationships and all these marriage. But she changes the subject to religion. Can you believe it? She says, "Sir, I can see that you are a prophet." Uh, she does this little segue. She's getting kind of uncomfortable that he is talking so intimately about her and her relationship. So let me just kind of divert this conversation to religion. She says, our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Ah, That's what we do. We take our mountain-sized problems and we hide them behind Religion, You see, in order for Jesus to move our mountains, he is going to have to make us a little bit uncomfortable. If you have a theological outlook or construction of Jesus who is just comfortable, for you, relating to you in life, you have not met the biblical Jesus, who at times makes us rather uncomfortable. So the adage remains true. The first step of change, which is what was happening here at Jacob's Well, the first step of change is to become aware of your own mm-mm. You know what I mean when I say, "Mm mm-mm, right? To become aware of your own, "Mm mm-mm, right? But Jesus is quick to teach her that religion does not move mountains. Oh, no. Rather, only a singular relationship with one individual, the Messiah, is capable of speaking to the mountains in our lives. Self-help, programs can help, for sure. And there are many of them from overcoming alcoholism to uh, uh, gambler gambling and all kinds of isms and issues with it. mountain-sized problems. But we find statistically that self-help groups, for 10 people that enroll in a self-help group, one of them, one out of the 10, will be changed everlastingly. Permanently from that self-help group. So when at, we are at a place in our lives when we can no longer bother with the mountains in our lives because they seem so great or overwhelming, we toss in the towel and we want to give up. And so John 4 tells us why it is that we should bother and not give up. Because with the mountain in the way, we'll never be able to encounter the truth. Jesus knew that with this, this, these serial relationships, this issue, this woman was never going to be able to come into the truth, and with all of that in the way, what is the truth? Jesus is Lord. I that speak unto thee am he, the long-awaited, predicted Messiah, the Savior of the world, The woman said, I know that Messiah, called the Christ, is coming when he comes. He's going to explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, yep, it's me. I'm the guy. Do you want someone in your life who is going to explain everything to you, even if it makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable? Are you ready to move those mountains that you have believed impossible to move? Are you ready to, to end what is second best and broken in your life? Well, the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well was. She was so ready, in fact, that she ran out and she told everybody in the town about Jesus and this conversation she had with this man from Galilee. And those people in the town, they themselves became believers. And the text says many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony never ever feel that what you share with another person about your faith in Christ is of no effect because it's powerful. It can change hearts and lives. That's what we see in John chapter 4. And she says to the people in the town, He told me everything that I did. The five husbands. So when the Samaritans came to him, Jesus, they urged him to stay with them. Weren't they nice? And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you have said. Now we've heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. So don't give up. Speak to your mountains. That's what we're going to share in together all through the month of April. Speak to your mountains. Yes, they can be daunting, but don't let them crush you. Don't let them delay you or don't let them rob you of all that God is calling you to be for him. Speak to your mountain and believe as the Samaritans did that this man, this Jesus truly is the savior of the world. Amen.